Well, I'll just uh, give my welcome as well. Most of you know me, but um, if you don't, my name's Joe, and uh, pleasure to be coming to speak today. And uh, hey, the sun not only does funny things to us, it does funny things to our technology, but there we go, we, we got through it. We pressed on, which is actually uh, what we're going to be talking about today. So it was a nice little uh, uh, kind of a point for me to focus on. Yeah, press on. And so that's what we're going to be looking at in a moment. Um, Today we're continuing in our series in Philippians. And we'll be in chapter 3 in a moment. If you do want to turn there in your Bibles, we'll be there in just a few moments. But I want to quickly ask you a question. Uh, Who here would consider themselves an athlete? Who would consider themselves an athlete? Oh, we've got hands going up. Uh, Dio over here started to kind of flex his muscles a bit. I just saw them kind of start bulging a little bit, pushed his chest out. Uh, we've even got Des here who trained for the, the Ninja Warrior. Have you seen that thing on TV? Yeah, he definitely, he definitely thinks he's an athlete. And uh, as you can see, I'm an athlete. I, you, I, I thought I'd better bring this in for proof. I have actually... Uh, I, know, I know by looking at me, you can obviously see that I'm an athlete, but um, I have actually run the London Marathon three times, um, and not only just run it, I have completed it, just to, just to put that out there. Um, <laughs> my dad's also, he, he, uh, he's run the marathon, he's probably run around 20 marathons actually, and, uh, and he also has this, this phrase he likes to use in life, kind of about anything really, um, he's a little bit obsessed with the marathon, but... He would say this, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I don't know if you've heard that kind of phrase before. It's kind of talking about lots of different things in life. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, I would say, you know, the Christian life is a bit like that. The marathon, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's definitely something that's a bit more of a a, a long haul. It's because the Christian life and both the marathon, they, they have a start, they have a finish, but they have a load of steps in between as well. And uh, Paul, in, in this series that we've been looking through, kind of really gives a, a, a glimpse, I guess, a picture of what the mature Christian looks like. There's a start, there's a finish, and there's loads of steps in between. And uh, for those of you who have maybe done a marathon or done something similar, um, at the start of the marathon, everyone is full of energy. You know, you're full of expectation, you're excited, uh, you're, the legs are fresh, you're feeling good. Uh, you're kind of soaking up the atmosphere, you're taking in every moment, making some really good progress early on. And the Christian life can be like that, can it? As we start off on this, this new journey of knowing Christ, as we uh, first put our trust in him, it's, it's, it's energetic, it's exciting as we consider these new truths, these, these, these uh, uh, kind of amazing truths of who God is and what he's done in our lives. And we can quick, actually early on make some really quick progress in our in our walk with Christ. And then there's the best moment in the marathon, the finish line. When you get to the finish line, it's like pure joy and pure relief. You're like, this is done. I've done it. I've got the medal. It's over my neck. It's complete. I've finished it. And in the Christian life, there's a, there's a finish that we look forward to. And you know what? It's the best bit. <laughs> when we get to the finish line, we, can't, we find our kind of hard to, to kind of compare right now we had to hard to get our heads around it but when we get there it will be a moment of full of joy full of peace full of rest for eternity no more striving no more pain just pure delight there's a start and there's a finish both in the marathon and the Christian life but there's loads of steps in between uh, and for me when I got to probably I'm going to be I'm going to be like 
you know, uh, kind to myself. I'm going to say around the eighth mile, um, it probably was a little bit before, but around that eighth mile, eighth mile, I'm kind of beginning to kind of think, wow, this excitement has faded off now. Like, uh, I'm not quite feeling like my legs are fresh anymore, you know. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, uh, there's kind of some, some good moments, you know, but it's now just beginning to feel kind of like I'm just repeating myself over and over and over again, step after step after step. And it gets boring, to be honest with you. Sometimes it gets boring. You know, progress is slow. There's exciting moments, but to be honest, there's really loads of hard moments as well. There's moments of pain and moments of doubting that you're actually going to finish the race. Uh, and the Christian life, again, can be a little bit like this, can't it? It, it, it can kind of feel like after that initial kind of moment of, of starting off with Christ, it's like the excitement can fade. That initial excitement can fade. Them amazing truths that we learn early on suddenly become just more familiar, more normal. It's kind of it's what we believe, you know, it just becomes more normal. And, uh, and church becomes a part of our life. It's a regular part of our life, and it just, it's just what we do. And then suddenly it's like, well... We do it every Sunday, so it's like, if if you turn up every Sunday, and you're kind of repeating it, it comes repetitive, doesn't it? And actually, sometimes it can feel like we're making slow progress. Sometimes it can even feel like it's boring. Sometimes life just is hard. It's not always that fun, you know? And so sometimes it feels hard, and then there's moments where you can feel pain or doubt. I think every person would experience that at some point. Every Christian would experience that. And yet in the marathon, what, um, what gets me through the boredom, what got me through the, the kind of the hard moments, the, the doubting and the pain that I was ever going to get to the finish, it's really simple, but it's just to keep on going. It's just to press on. It's just to press on towards the goal, towards the finish. And what we're going to look at now, you see the title, Press On, is Paul in this chapter in Philippians, Philippians um, really kind of says the mature Christian what the mature Christian does is they keep on going. Through the good times, the challenging times, the boring times, the exciting times, they, they keep pressing on. They keep pressing on towards the goal. So let's have a look, if you're with me. Hopefully it'll come on the screen as well. We're going to be in uh, chapter 3, uh, first, verse 12. And we're just going to read verse 12 to begin with, and then we're going to come back to the other verses a bit later on. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. If you know anything about Paul who's writing this book, this verse is encouraging because you know why? Even Paul, the great apostle Paul, who the guy who wrote most of this New Testament, who kind of knew most of the Old Testament off by heart, he, he kind of, uh, he worked miracles. You know, did you know this? I'm sure you've read it. Even his snotty handkerchiefs healed people. That's just incredible and incredibly weird. That's just like, what is that all about? And yet, and I wouldn't recommend it personally, but, um, but it worked for Paul because he was a worker of miracles. He, he was a guy who, who had this incredible encounter with Jesus, kind of very unique. He encountered Jesus face to face. It's like he was a man who, if anyone we could think of was almost perfect, it would be Paul. And yet, in this opening verse, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. What's Paul saying? He's saying, I'm also on a journey. 
I'm also, like the journey, like this marathon that we're on, it's, the Christian life is a journey. I haven't made it yet. I'm not perfect. And Paul recognises that the Christian life is <clears throat> not about perfection. It's about progress. It's about progress. It's about pressing on. And yes, one day we will be in perfection when we get to the finish. But right now, <clears throat> right now it's about progress. Paul, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> That's got me. I get too excited when I preach early on. <coughs> That's really well. <laughs> Paul recognises that like every journey, the Christian life has a start. And the start, Paul recognises right here in this verse 12, is that Jesus, Christ Jesus, has made me his own. See, the Christian life is it, it, the start of a journey, and it, it's God. It starts with God. God beginning a good work in you, in me. God initiating. It says in Ephesians, God chose us before the foundation of the world. See, before you were even a twinkle in your mummy's eye or your daddy's eye, God chose you before the foundation of the world. See, Paul says that the only reason that I'm able to press on in this life, in the present tense, right now, is that Jesus has made me his own in the past tense. It's like, Jesus made me his own, therefore I can press on. It's important we get that the right way. We're not pressing on to try and make myself some, to belong to Christ. It's like, no, no, no. Christ has made me his own, and now I press on in this life. It's important we get that, because otherwise it's all about our works and striving and trying to earn myself to God. No, 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 no. God makes you his own. He, Paul, what we know about Paul is, yes, we kind of look at him, him now in, as he kind of is this kind of almost this, this role model of almost perfection, and yet we know what he was like before. We know that he was actually completely against God. <laughs> he was an enemy of God. In fact, he even looked to, to halt God's purposes by kind of being around and, and being involved with murdering Christians at that time. Yet God transformed his life. See, I love this example about Paul because you can never be too messed up or too far away from God's in order for him to get hold of you and use you for his purposes. You know, that's great for us in here, but that's also great because there's thousands of people around here that don't know God, and yet God can get hold of their lives and use them for his purposes. That's an encouraging thing to know. And for me, it was more of a process. You know, for this, we've all start, uh, everyone who's put their trust in Christ has started on this journey, and for many of us, it wasn't as quite dramatic as Paul. It wasn't like that Damascus Road moment. You're now blind. Now go see some guy and he's going to heal you. And it's like, what? I don't know about you, but it didn't happen like that for me. Um, it's a good job we don't just look for one example in the Christian, uh, in the Bible about how someone becomes a Christian. But for me, it was a process over time. As a kid, I, I kind of, I heard about Jesus a lot. And, uh, but it had no impact on my life. No impact, apart from maybe going to church every so often. And then it wasn't until 12 years ago, coming uh, more this way, that, that actually I started on this journey. I, I put my trust in Christ. Because so, I, I, I began to see and, uh, and hear these things that I began to believe. I began to believe them in my heart. And, and I came to a point where I was like, wow, I can't, I can't sit on 
on the fence anymore. I can't be passive about this anymore because I, I actually believe this. I believe that Jesus loved me. I believe that he died for me. I, I believe that on the cross he took my sin and my shame and my guilt. I, I kind of believe he's raised to life. I believe that he's done that. I believe that he's no longer on the cross. He's at the, in the throne of God right next to the Father. And it was kind of like, wow, if I believe this, this has to affect my life. It has to affect everything about me. It was like, wow, I have to give myself to you, Jesus. And so I started on this journey, and it was just a, a short prayer, really, is what I did. But as I took that first step on a journey of following him, uh, did I suddenly become perfect? No. Just ask my wife. Did I kind of... Uh, suddenly know everything you know I still had questions I still do have questions I didn't suddenly know everything no no no. but was it the start of a journey of progressing and maturing yeah yeah it was a, it was a beginning a start of a journey because every journey has a start and we can all know that today we can all know that today that we that Jesus has made us his own as we take a first step, maybe it be for you today as a, an opportunity to take a first step towards him. But for many of us who have already taken this step, for us this is a great reminder because I don't know what it is about being a Christian longer. You'd think we'd mature all the time, but we don't always, we don't always about everything. And we often actually start to think, oh, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. Or I suddenly kind of start thinking that we've played this the good Christian game for too long and we kind of kind of think that actually is that what makes me acceptable to Jesus it's like no 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 you belong to Christ now if you think about it for a moment do I love my kids two kids do I love my kids because they do stuff for me one of them's two and a half one of them's one I can tell you Zach all he does for me is horrible nappies keeps me up at night although it's not too bad but he does sometimes wakes up early every so often he slaps me in the face and I was like what's that all about I was like thanks kid it's like if it was just down to the fact he does nice stuff to me that I love him wow I would not love him (laughs) I can tell you that now but I love him because he's mine I love him because he's mine and if you have put your trust in Jesus if if he's your lord and your savior he says to you you are mine you are mine. And one day when you get to the finish line, one day when you cross that finish line and you come face to face with Jesus, he'll say that over to you. Three words. You are mine. You are mine. See, the, the, the finish line is, is not only good for the, the marathon runner. It's like that relief, that joy. It's good for the Christian. It's great news for the Christian. So we're going to jump to the end of this chapter and see what Paul says about the finish line. In verse 20, he says this. You, sorry, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So we've got the start of the journey. If you're following Christ, you've, you've started on that journey. We've got the finish of the journey, and it's good news. It's really good news. It's like, 
you've got to the end of the journey, your body is wasting away as you get older. If you think about the marathon runner, you get to the end, you're like, oh, you're broken, you're barely moving. And it's like, right at the end, wow, you cross the line and you get a new body. Wow, that's good news. That is good news, especially if you've run a London marathon, you'll know what that's like. And it's like your lowly body will be transformed into a glorious body like Jesus Christ. You know, elsewhere it talks about as your body groans, as it, as it, as it kind of wastes away, actually the end is being swallowed up by life. You know, we think this is life, but, but as, as our body grows tired and weary, it's like when we cross the finish line as a Christian, it's like we're swallowed up with life. That is good news. And so like any journey, there's a start and there's a finish. See, your, your finish is that you're a citizen, your citizenship is in heaven. Paul said your citizenship is in heaven. You know what that, that means? It's not only now, then, it's now. Your, your finish is confirmed. Let me give you an example of this. My, my friend Nemi over here, when he became a British citizen, it was like he... He then became legally an inhabitant of this country and he legally received all the benefits of being a British citizen. Citizen. That's a Christian and a citizen all in one. And Paul is saying, this is what it's like for the Christian. As, you, as, he, as Jesus took hold of you, as you became a Christian, it was like your, your finish is confirmed. Your citizenship is in heaven. It's confirmed. It is your destination. It's secure. Your position and status is the resident of heaven. And you will receive all the benefits that go with that. This is not just what will happen. It is who you are. And my start is here. If my, if my start is here and my finish is over there, it's like my start and my finish determine the steps in between, don't they? They, they, have a, they have a knock-on effect. It's not like my start's here, my finish is in there, and I'll just go over here, and that's done. No, no, no. These always determine the steps in between. And, and this is what Paul begins to talk about now. He says, uh, because, you've been, uh, because you are now belonging to Christ, because you're started on this journey, because your finish is confirmed, you're a citizen in heaven, therefore, just go with the flow, hope this life works out all right, and wait for heaven. No, 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 no. He says, press on to make it my own. That's what he does. He presses on to make it my own. And so for the remaining of this time, what we're going to look at is these steps in between. What does it actually mean to press on in this life right here, right now? So if you're following in the Bible, we're in verse 13 again, uh, in uh, chapter 3 again. And it, it says this. <clears throat> Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So Paul says it's not just about going with the flow. 
and waiting for heaven. He, it's all this <clears throat> active language here. Did you, did you notice it? It's like forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, pressing on towards the goal. Think, hold true, join in, imitate, keep your eyes on good examples. There's all this active, active things that we get to participate in. And so it's not about being passive. I think it's quite clear here. Growing and maturing doesn't just happen. It's like, I, I won't mature unless I decide to make some moves myself. And I don't know if you noticed again in these verses that we just read, Paul kind of says, one thing I do, and then as like preachers do, they then list about three, three or four or five things they do. Um, but I think it's because he's trying to get the point over that we're, we're to be people that make moves, that do things. Yes, we're, we, we belong to Christ. We don't do things to earn our salvation, but because we are saved, we do things. And so his first point is this, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. When I, um, when I ran my, my uh, second London Marathon, uh, it was with my sister and my dad. Um, there's not a picture but embarrassingly, we were dressed up as the three little pigs. Uh, imagine that if you like. But I was probably more porky than the rest of them. Um, and the first 16 miles were, were really hard. They were really tough. Uh, because I w- we were going at my sister's pace. She was a bit... St- I'm slow. She's really slow. Like, we were, we were kind of going at a slow pace. And uh, I kept having to look back to see where she was. So I was like, ah, because I was kind of setting the pace... Uh, and it just, it halted my race. It kind of, I couldn't run effectively because I was, one, having to look back, two, I was having to go slower than I could. And then at 16 miles, I accidentally, keep telling her that, lost her. And um, I lost her around that 16-mile mark. And for the next 10 miles, I was then able to run more effectively. And I, I, I tell you what, I've never finished the marathon so well. So maybe I should do it more. But no, I... I finished so well, and I looked at the stats after. I literally ran past over a 1,000 people in the last six miles. I was like, come on. If only, if only it didn't take me about six hours to finish it. But there we go. It was amazing. It wasn't quite six hours. But, um, but what was causing that kind of, for me to not run effectively, was what I had to keep looking behind. And I, I think Paul gives us a little hint here. Is like, if you're continuing to, to look what's behind, it's going to prevent you from running forward as effectively as you could. See, Paul, Paul knew this because he had a past. <laughs> Some of you, most of you, if not all of you, have only known me since I've been a Christian. I had a past. All of us in this room, we've had a past. And yet, it's exactly that. It's past. You know, we need to leave it in the past. We need to forget what lies behind in order to progress how God wants us to. And see, for some of us, it might be that Actually, we, we need to deal with this. We, it's actually preventing us. It continues to prevent us. It's not just like a one-off thing. It's like it continues to prevent us from moving forward. And actually, it might mean that you need to spend some time and take some time over and deal with it and, and get some time with some people. I'll just give you an example. Maybe, maybe it's unforgiveness. The thing is about unforgiveness, the very nature of it is it's something that's impacted you in the past and it still has a grip on you. And so the reality is if we, if we don't move on from it, it's going to continue to have a grip on us. And nothing will change in that situation 
but nothing will change for you unless you actively do something about it. If you, you might need to open up to someone about that. You might need to spend some time actually looking at truth, looking at what Jesus has done for you. You might need to actually ask God for the power to be able to forgive. He's a God who gives us power to forgive. He does that. I would encourage you, maybe a next step for you is actually to, to do Freed for Purpose as a course we run. It spends time just looking at some truth and, and spends time kind of getting to grips with some of the stuff that maybe we haven't moved from in, our, from in our past. You need to deal with this because it will prevent you from moving forward. Paul builds on this first point of forgetting what lies behind by saying next and strain forward to what lies ahead. See, uh, again, in the marathon, as you near the finish line, you start seeing these placards that say 400 metres to go, 200 metres to go, 100 metres to go. And as, as you see them, you're kind of like, yes, I'm almost there. Um, but you kind of, you know that the finish is coming. And as you turn the corner and you look down, you can just see the finish line in sight. And la- the last marathon I did... Um, dressed up as Fred Flintstone this time. Um, we like to do a bit of dress up for some reason, me and my family. Anyway, and I heard on the mic, because there's a guy there and with the crowd kind of stirring them up. He's like, here comes Fred Flintstone. And I was like, wow, they can see me. Right, I kind of lifted my head. I suddenly kind of started quickening my, my step. I was like, I, I suddenly forgot that my body was literally broken and hurting in every area of my body. And... Uh, because I had this desire to get to the finish line and I had this desire to finish well. I wanted to finish well. I wanted to achieve what I'd set out to do. And I think that's what Paul's getting at here with straining forward to what lies ahead. It's like keep the finish line in sight. Remember, remember them things that we looked at earlier. You're a citizen of heaven. It's like remember that. Remember what you, where you're going. Remember what God's done in your life. Remember that you are secure. Remember that this life and its momentary blips are just temporary. It's just temporary. It's all wasting away. But one day we will be in pure joy, pure peace, pure rest for eternity. You know, if we, we I'm, not, I'm not saying I haven't got this sword, I haven't got this sword at all, but if, if we get this kind of perspective for our life, it will change the way we live. It truly will. Reminding ourselves on a daily basis, straining forward to what lies ahead. See, the, the contrast of this, and Paul goes into it in the verses we're about to look at in verse 18. The contrast to this is that if we don't keep the finish line in sight, we get consumed with what's happening here. We get consumed with what we're doing and try and get the most out of what we're doing here. And, and we just chase after the next pleasure, the next earthly pleasure. We kind of want everything to go okay. Let's see how Paul puts it. In verse 18, he says, For many, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. It's like Paul, as he says, writes down these these words, he's like he's remembering people in his mind that he loves and knows so well, and yet they're consumed by the living their journey on this life. They've kind of lost sight of the finish line. For us, this is a stark reality too. It kind of gives us a bit of a reality check. It's like a reminder of, of what am I actually living for? 
What am I living for? What is Christ? <laughs> it refers, Hannah would uh, point out that sometimes my belly is my God, and that is the exact verse we just read. And it's like, is, is Christ, is Paul saying, is Christ your God or is it actually your belly? You know, is Christ your God or is it actually getting all you can out of this life? You know, a good tester for this is something that we just did, giving. <laughs> it's like, where do you spend your money? What do you give your money to? It's like, am I grabbing hold of it and trying to keep as much as I can, or am I willing to, to be generous and give it away? Another tester is like, what, what do I spend most of my time thinking about? Like, when I'm not doing anything, or I'm kind of between home and work or whatever, what, what do I spend most of my time thinking about? It's a good tester of kind of a reality check for what are we actually living our lives for. See, the reality is, and Paul puts it in these verses, that that, that all of us have a kind of, I say, small g God that we kind of, that is maybe our our, our kind of idol in our life. And and, and if we have that, it's like, who, who is our God? Christ or that? It's like, am I living... Am I pursuing, am I consuming my life for food or for, for getting that bigger house or in that better location? Or is it about good sex? Or is it about um, kind of the best holiday I can get? You know, there's some really good things as well, like our children. <laughs> Sometimes I'll ask this question, do we, do we allow our children to determine the steps we take in this life? Or does our pursuit of Christ determine the steps we take with our children? And I think it's an important consideration for us to make because children are a gift from God, but, but they're not God. <laughs> and they're not to be our pursuit. And so we need to keep reminding ourselves, having a reality check, what am I living for? Keep the finish line in sight. Keep the finish line in sight. See, I, I have to do this myself because I'm not perfect. And I'm, I'm pressing on. And part of pressing on is... is not being content with where you're at, actually. It's like, I want to grow, I want to mature, I want to go deeper in God. And so I have to remind myself, like even this week, um, someone just came back from Crete, another one's just about to go to Cyprus, these are my friends, and, and, and another one has just been to Corfu. And I love the Greek islands. I grew up going to the Greek islands uh, every year. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm so jealous. Um, I really want to go. And then I think, what am I living for? Am I living just for this momentary pleasure? Yes, if I get to go and enjoy it, brilliant. I, don't get me wrong, God gives us things to enjoy. But if I was consuming my mind, and that's all I kind of want, oh, am I content with Christ? Or am I trying to consume myself with momentary pleasures? And uh, that's why, uh, very humbly, I'm going to Dorset this week. So there we go. Um, <laughs> Part of my maturing process is to do things like that. Um, Paul then builds on this point further. In verse 14, he says, Press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Every person, I showed you earlier, every person that completes the London Marathon gets one of these. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for a prize. I'm thankful for it, that I'm, I was able to complete the marathon and yet, to be honest with you, a metal thing doesn't really do, do anything for me. It's like, yeah, it's nice, but I take it or leave it. Um, but for the Christian, the prize is not a piece of metal. It's Christ. It's Christ himself. It's not, even, it's not even heaven. It's like, 
Yes, that is our destination when we get to the finish, but the prize is Christ. We get Christ. We get to pursue Christ. It's like right here in this life now, Paul's saying, press on towards the prize. He's saying, press on towards Christ. Savor him. If you remember Nick, those were here, Nick's kind of picture from last week, the, the two dishes, the moldy doner kebab that's about three weeks old or, the, or the, the steak and chips cooked by a Michelin star chef. And it's like, of course I'm going to take this one. You know, everything, everything else compared to this, that is rubbish. You know, that's rubbish compared to this. It's like, that is rubbish compared to Christ. Of course, I get to satisfy myself with Christ. We actually, I was thinking this this week. I was like, I actually get to enjoy Christ on this earth. That's incredible. It's incredible that I get to enjoy God here on this earth. Psalm 107 says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Psalm 26 says, They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. I love that. There's, what I love about it is that there's river of delights, there's good things that I'm yet to experience. It's like I'm, I haven't come to the end of Christ yet. And you know what? That is good news. <laughs> See, if I got to one day that I was like, oh, I've had all the joy I can in God. Uh, I've kind of experienced all the, the good things I can. It's like, wow, what now? Where do I go to now? It's like, no, no, each day there is new experience of joy in Christ that I can experience. And I love that. It pushes me on to press on more. You know, because we sometimes think that we've got there because we've actually stopped pressing on. And Paul's saying, press on, press on to experience, press on towards the prize. And Paul, in these just last remaining minutes, he gives us two really practical ways that we can press on to pursue Christ. Two really practical ways. The first is this, hold on to truth. In verse 16, he says, let us hold true to what we've attained. Hold true to what we've attained. How do we press on and pursue Christ? How do we press on towards the goal? How do we uh, savor Christ more? We hold on to truth. We get the word of God into us. We remind ourselves of who we are. We remind ourselves that we belong to Jesus. We started off earlier. We remind ourselves that we are citizens of heaven. That is what we are, who we are. This will uh, be hard for you to believe, but sometimes, just, just a few times, usually on a Monday on my day off, I can be a selfish, miserable idiot. And uh, the reality is, all of us can be like that. I'm prone to being a bit flat or selfish unless I remind myself of truth, as I hold on to truth. I can tell you, it genuinely happens. Like I can be so miserable, just ask Hannah, and then suddenly... I start to fill my thoughts with who I am in Christ. I fill my, my, my mind with who God is, of who God is. I lift up my voice to God. I sing, I worship. And as I do that, as I fill my mind with thoughts, it, it affects my feelings. It affects how I feel about myself or about life. My thoughts affect my feelings and in turn it affects my actions. It makes me less miserable. It makes me... Uh, hopefully a bit more of a pleasant to be around. Holding on to truth transforms us. It transforms us through the good times, through the moments where we just want to give up. It's like, get truth into you. I know everything you want to do is to isolate yourself and, and become self-focused, but the 
what's going to help is to hold on to truth. See, the word of God isn't just a, a thing to dip into for good advice. No, 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 no. This is God-breathed. This is living and active. It will change you. It, it kind of discerns our thoughts and our hearts. It, it goes beyond the, the superficial and it gets deep in and it sorts us out. <laughs> it really does. And so we need to be those that get it into us. Hold on to truth. The second one is this, just quickly. Imitate good examples. Imitate good examples. Paul doesn't have a problem with saying, imitate me, do as I do. He doesn't have a problem with saying, watch others, do as they do, learn from them. See, we cannot do the Christian life on our own. We need other people around us who we can follow and look to and press on with Christ with. See, uh, when, I, when I ran my first marathon... Uh, with my dad, I, I, uh, I was. We were both doing great. We were both going really well. My dad's obviously more experienced. He's ran. He'd ran over ten marathons at that point. And uh, this time, because I know you want to know, we were dressed up as jesters. Um, I know it's important to know what I dressed up as in the marathon. But there we go. Um, everything was going well till about fifteen miles. Fifteen miles. I was feeling really good, and I thought I'm going to push on a bit harder. I'm going to. I'm going to go on a bit harder, and I kind of lost my dad and and things were going well then at 20 miles at 20 mile mark I had this massive pain that went through my leg like literally it was horrific massive pain I literally could not take another step I hit the floor this is a true story I hit the floor I fell down I was in agony I was like this is me done this is me over this is my race done and another runner came past and he said it's probably cramp just stretch and I was like Okay, so I stretched, stretched, and he helped me for a little bit and then ran off him, leaving me in my pain. <laughs> Very nice of him. And, uh, and then I got up, and I felt a tiny bit better, but I, in my mind, I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to finish this. I'm not sure I'm going to finish this. And then in that moment, I felt a hand on my shoulder, and I heard this voice, son, let's finish this together. And it, it makes me well up now, because I was like, my dad, my dad was there, and I literally, I just followed him. I don't know how he found me between thousands of people, but I literally just followed him step by step for the rest of the six miles, the rest of the marathon. I just followed him step by step. Some of us, you're going through tough times in your life. It's these times that we're not to isolate ourselves. We need to press on. We need to follow somebody. We need to lean on someone as they lean on to Christ. You know, maybe you're struggling with stuff in your life things that you regret or things that you wish didn't happen. It's like, it's in these moments we need to press on again, press on towards Jesus. It's then moments that we need to be in community. It needs to have examples to imitate. It's not just about the the big struggles and and temptations and and times to give up. Sometimes it's just about feeling tired. You know, and I know many of us are probably feeling tired right now. It can feel, life's tiring, right? The marathon's tiring. Life can be tiring. And we can get to moments, I can get to moments where on a Sunday afternoon, I'm like, I don't want to go to church. I can get to Wednesday night, a community. I don't really want to go. I feel tired. And I'm leading the thing. It's like, ah, it's not good news, is it? And then I get there. I make the decision to press on. And I get there. And every time, without fail, something stirs in me to worship. 
And it's being with other people like you and me, looking to people as they worship, as I imitate them. It's like, yes, yes, worship, yes. It stirs me to go again and again and again. It's why it's so important that we have people to imitate, to look to, to follow, who we follow examples. Just a couple of quick ones, and I'll go over a bit. Just for example, how we raise our kids. You know, Hannah and I had just started this journey of raising kids. We need help. You know, we genuinely need help. We need to look to people for examples. And there's people who have gone before. There's people who have, even in this room, that have got the medal. They've pioneered before us in the parenting thing. It's great. Like, I don't have to try and work it out on my own. I can look to other people and get help. I can look for good examples. I can learn probably from some bad examples as well. But there we go. But we get help on the way as we imitate people. Serving on a team on a Sunday, we always need more people to serve. And it's like, how do we do this best? It's by learning from others. We just turn up, show up, watch someone do it, do it yourself, and then teach someone else to do it. It's like, it's quite simple. Watch someone, do it yourself, teach someone else to do it. And the more we do that, not just with serving, but with everything in life, it's like, we're going to disciple people. This is how people in Welling are going to grow, going to mature. This is how they're going to be discipled, is by showing up, observing, having a go, teaching someone else to do it. I'd encourage you, maybe if it's putting the banners up, just don't copy Dio, because he, he breaks them. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. For some of us, actually, it's time to be like Paul and say, imitate me. Actually, it's time to say, imitate me. See, part of maturing and pressing on for you is it's time to start leading. It's time to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And because we're English, we think that's arrogant. And because we're English, we're too polite to say it like that. But how about just like my dad did? Tap on the shoulder. Follow. Come on. Let's do this together. Follow me. Let me, sh- let me show you. Just watch what I do. We need to be a community that taps people on the shoulder and sets an example to imitate to follow Christ and pursue Christ I want to finish with this Hebrews 12 let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God we as we press on we need to look to Christ look to him press on one step at a time one step at a time So for some, a first step, it's time for a first step. It's time to actually say, I want to start this journey of a relationship with Christ. It's time to put your trust in him and follow him. For some, does that mean you're perfect? No. Does it mean you've got all your answers? No. Like me, 12 years ago, I decided this. I believe this. I don't want to be passive anymore. I'm going to take that first step. For some, that might be you. For some, it's a next step. Imitate. Join a community, join a serving team, follow somebody and do what they do. For some, it's that stuff about the past stuff that's holding us on to. Actually, you need to do free for purpose. I'd encourage you to do it. We've heard even recently stories of people getting set free for unforgiveness that they've held on for years and years and years. That's what Jesus does. (laughs) I'd encourage you to do that. Start leading. Take a next step. Start leading. Start imitating. Uh, Start asking people to come and imitate you. Come and set an example to others. For all of us, it's ongoing steps. Keep getting deeper in the word. Keep getting deeper in God. Reminding ourselves of who we are 
that we belong to Christ and that our destination, our finish line is that we are citizens of heaven. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, we just gaze upon you right now. We fix our eyes upon you. We, We thank you that you have made us your own. Thank you that you changed our lives. You transform us. You you cause us to be able to, to, to step on this journey with you. And, and through the good times and the bad times, through the exciting times and the boring times, God, you enable us to press on. And so, God, we want to we commit to pressing on with you today. We want to commit to whatever it looks like in this life, to, to, but to get hold of Christ, to savor Christ more in our life, to, to, to press on towards the prize. Lord, would you come and do a work in our hearts and in our minds that, Lord, when we get, start to get fixed on things in this earth, help us to lift our head again and see the finish line in sight. Lord, help us to be those that press on step by step by step, following you as we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.